Welcome to Boardroom Media. My name is Velvet Bell Templeman, and I'm here talking to Matt Croxford, National Head of Human Capital, and Katie O'Keefe, Partner in Human Capital at Grant Thornton. Matt has expertise in executive coaching, strategy, and employee engagement, and Katie specializes in developing high-performing leaders and teams. Today, we'll be talking about how to manage a remote workforce and empower your people to perform at an optimal level during suboptimal conditions. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt and Katie. Morning, Velvet Bell. Great to be here. Good morning, Velvet Bell. Thank you. So firstly, Matt, many businesses have moved to remote working and there's no clear end in sight. What is this doing to morale and motivation? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really good point, actually. I mean, if we just take those two things for a second, they're, they're actually slightly different. I mean, so when I think about morale, morale is about, you know, confidence and enthusiasm. I think about motivation, it's about, you know, wh- why do we do the things we do? And so we think about what's happened to people's confidence and enthusiasm. I mean, I mean my goodness, has it, has it not been tested dramatically over the course of the, of the last sort of couple of months? So, you know, a lot of things that we take for granted, I mean, getting up, having showers, you know, traveling to and from work in our business clothes and all the rest of it and arriving at work, these things have big impacts on our motivation and our morale. We now roll out of bed, some of us, and you know, maybe we have showers, maybe we get ready for work and so on, and we just get into it. And so, so our ways of working has changed dramatically. Um, we're also subjected to daily, uh, hourly barrage of, of information from media and press outlets about what's happening with this. And so all these things have big impacts on our, on our morale and our motivation. So we, we really had to, as, as, a, as a group of people, as a nation, as a world, actually change the way that we think about how we exist on a day-to-day basis, how we, how we approach work and how we approach our lives as the two just sort of blend together. Katie, what, what have you seen? I think um, I, I like that you've taken the two morale and motivation. I was actually thinking remote working with no clear end in sight. And I think the, the remote working piece initially was almost a bit exciting for people. There mm. was this sense of something new. Oh, isn't this interesting? I get to sit at home in my office all day. Um, and so there was this sort of original initial spike in morale. Um, the no clear end in sight piece is really where we're starting to see now a bit of a, a drudgery around it. Like, when are we going to come out of this? When am I going to be going back into the office? I'm starting to feel tired of sitting in my same room with my same outlook, not moving all day. So I think for me, they're the, the two pieces is how do we sort of keep people feeling excited and engaged as the novelty starts to wear off? Yeah, look, we've also, I think, you know, we've also had to look very clearly, perhaps more so than in the past, to, to you know, where do we get that source of motivation and morale from? And so, you know, we're hyper-focused and hyper-sensitive now to the messages we're getting from our leaders, both um, nationally and internationally around that, um, the way that our companies, our own particular organizations are responding, and... Um, and so, so that communication has a huge impact on us, perhaps more so than it has in the past. And I'm assuming the engagement strategies that we're used to in the office don't work as effectively with a remote workforce. How can we ensure employees are at their most productive and engaged during difficult times? Yeah, look, it's, re- it's really changed the way that we work, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, we, we've been talking about uh, these concepts for a little while now. I mean, you know, for, for, for most organizations, they still have a very time-based relationship with their people. You know? So they still pay their people, you know, full-time, part-time um, roles and work and so on. And so this concept of every single day, your people turn up for work in the office and, and, and they, they make a decision about how much of themselves they're going to provide to the organization. And so 
But of course, that's not happening anymore. So, so every day, in some shape or form, people are turning up to work in various spare bedrooms and things like that. And organizations are having to say, okay, well, how, how do we create an environment that allows these people to turn up to work in a way that they can give their best, do their best, and be their best? And so outside of a very controlled environment in the workplace, now leaders don't have that. So they have to use different skills and different experiences and different ways of communicating and engaging with their people so that people still feel uh, engaged and still feel part of something and are able to achieve the outcomes that they need to, to achieve on a day-to-day basis. I'm just going to jump in because I really I agree with Matt with what Matt's saying and I think, again, it's two distinctly sort of different elements of this. As we think about the conditions that enable us to give our best, to do our best and be our best, the fundamentals that make that possible and create those conditions are still the same. So we need good leaders communicating clearly, engaging our people, giving them a sense of purpose, giving them something to feel that they're contributing in a meaningful way and that their contribution is valued. We still need to enable people to do the work the way that they need to do it. And we need to help people be at their best through um, so that they're high-performing individuals through how they look after themselves and how they show up every day. And so those fundamentals still say the same, but the medium through which we do it and the messages that we need to give and how we're engaging is, is changing slightly. So you mentioned goal setting and self-care, so both the personal and the professional. What are you doing to motivate your teams during this time? And what are you seeing among your clients? So this is one of the things that I think has been one of the most wonderful positive outcomes from this whole um, uh, situation is the messaging. And there is a, a almost an overwhelming amount of messaging in the media on the importance of looking after yourself in times like this. And the, the importance of looking after yourself, again, is, it's always there. But for some reason now, the, the, the bubbling up of that to the surface and the importance and the messaging around that is, is much greater. So um, my team, uh, we've done some specific things around this. We've established a, a list of self-care practices. So when we first had to shift to working remotely, we had a conversation around the importance of self-care during these times. We went through each of our team members and listed out the things under some different headings like psychological, physiological, spiritual, emotional, the, pra- the practices that we work for us. And then we've established a routine where every week on a Friday afternoon, we check out as a team. And as part of that checkout, we rate our current level of achievement against our goals for this week in our self-care. And we set goals for the following week. And we also set a goal for the following week on a collective self-care practice that we'd like to commit to. So that might be at the start of each meeting doing some mindfulness practice, it might be doing some deep breathing, um, it might be doing something physical like setting a weekly walking meeting, um, something like that. So I think that there's a wealth of science out there that informs the benefits of these different self-care practices. Um, what's really wonderful is how much people are now embracing that and adopting that in as part of their lives. Matt, what about for you? What are you seeing? Oh, look, it's, it's wonderful that the, the opportunity this gives us the latitude because we're, we're now engaging with people at a far more holistic level than we ever have before. So, you know, we're having conversations with people around, you know, what are you doing for yourselves? You know, what, what are you doing during the day to, to break some of this sort of stuff up? And so... So the communication's gone through the roof, right? I mean, it's, it's far, it's far, we're far more communicative now than we've ever been before. And so I'm talking to people numerous times a day. And 
I'm conscious that a lot of that is about some of the tasks that we're working through. But an awful lot of it is around, you know, what are you doing at home at the moment? What are some of the things you're doing? I mean, I'm really conscious. I mean, you, you mentioned the concept of achievement, right? Achievement is fundamental for human beings. We need to believe that our effort makes a difference. And so in times like this, where so much of it is out of our control, it can, it can very easily create a level of helplessness. And so one of the ways that you can increase your self-care and your sense of agency, as it were, is to make sure that you've got little tasks and projects that you're completing. It doesn't matter how inane it is, whether it's you know, reorganizing your bookcase or whether it's completing a work task. But the point is, is building this this sense of intention around achieving things on a regular basis. So, so I mean, I'm chatting to my team around some of the, you know, fun little projects they're doing at home, um, how they're staying busy, and how they're being creative to enjoy themselves during this time, rather than just sitting on the sofa watching Netflix when they're not working. In the past, Matt and Katie, there's been some resistance to fully implementing remote or flexible working, signalling that some companies don't fully trust their workforce at home. What are some of those fear-based leadership issues that can pop up and how should we deal with them? So I think it's an interesting question, um, Velvet Bell. And if anything, if I think about fear-based leadership and not trusting people, um, what this uh, situation with COVID-19 has done is um, forced leaders to um, change that thinking, it, you know, if it was there in really prevalent ways in the first place. Um, the things that I, I'm actually seeing as a result of this, some really positive changes and some really positive shifts in attitudes and behaviours from leaders. Um, and an example that I've got is, you know, one of my clients uh, is a remote, they're located in a regional area of New South Wales and in an outer suburb of Melbourne, um, which we often talk about can be difficult to attract uh, talent to roles in those locations because um, people who uh, want to do the kind of work that they're good at doing, they don't necessarily want to go and do it in a regional area or in an outer suburb. They want to be located in funky offices in the city, close to all the action. And what this has done is enabled my client to realise that actually they don't need the talent to be on site with them. So they're able to actually broaden their search area they're able to tap into new talent and they're already thinking about how they advertise in other locations to get the people that they need in the locations where they are already. What about for you, Matt? Are you seeing um, fear-based leadership or changes in attitudes? Look, there's definitely some of that fear-based leadership still around, but those organisations are really struggling through this particular period in time. I mean, there's this, there's this wonderful thing around trust at the moment that is, this is the, the grease that's making the, the engine work at the moment, this sense of trust is that, you know, for many years, organizations have been talking about, you know, how much time can we really allow people to work remotely and work from home? And is it the right thing to do? I mean, I, I noticed there's organizations out there that have been running sort of tests on this, where some groups stay at home and some groups work remotely and they find out, you know, which is better. And sometimes it's been inconclusive. This has just blown that out of the water completely. And so, there's this real interesting thing at the moment that, that, that you know, the benefits of bigger conversation down the track, and it's this, on what is your trust conditional? And so as an organization, where there is con the conditions in the past have been, well, we do have a choice, so therefore, I'm not sure how much I'm going to trust you to work at home. Now there isn't a choice, and suddenly that level of trust has gone through the roof. And isn't it really interesting? We're seeing some incredible stories of people being more productive, more engaged. I mean, I mean I'm talking to organizations where, Six months ago, there were real problems around teams and leadership and trust and motivation that have just gone out the window. 
Now mm-hmm. they're saying, I'm, I'm more, you know, I, I hear more from my leaders than I've ever heard before. We're talking about, um, we do some work in, in a regional council in Australia and, it, and they have a really distributed workforce. And there are people there that hadn't heard from their, their supervisors or leaders. They'd be lucky to hear from them once a quarter. Now they're hearing from them every week. And so for them, this has been an absolutely incredible opportunity for them. So this remote working thing has, those that have embraced it have seen a fundamental change in the way that people respond, the work gets done, the way that they engage with their customers and each other. Those that still wonder whether or not people are sitting at home or going to the beach or doing things they shouldn't be doing, the world's just passing them by. and They're going to come out of this really, really poorly. So essentially, it's provided an opportunity for workers to step up. Look, absolutely. I mean, so I could give an example. When, when this virus hit, my little business, we, we had a number of projects that were about to kick off. And, and our work is face-to-face, or was face-to-face, running workshops, engaging with people across the table. Um, all of that went out the window, literally fell off a cliff in the space of a week where organizations said, look, regrettably, we're going to have to push programs or cancel programs that we had spent many, many months building. And so my team and I, we sort of sat around um, on various Zoom calls and Skype calls and said, you know, what are we going to do? You know, uh, literally 95% of our business disappeared. And so we started bouncing around some ideas. Okay, so um, do we believe that the work we're doing is meaningful? Do we believe the organization still need it? And the, the, the resounding outcome was, more than ever, we still need to build teams. We still need to build leaders' capabilities. We're just going to build them slightly differently. So we started talking about how are we going to do this? How are we going to do it differently? Not can we do it, but how are we going to do it? And each day we set little tasks and little challenges, and the team just literally stepped right up for this. They said, okay, I'm going to go and test some technology to see how we run a workshop. So we had a workshop for 50 people that we were supposed to be running, and literally we had to cancel it. Um, and in the space of a week and a half, we ran that workshop using technology. Was it the same as having 50 people? No, it wasn't. But the resounding um, feedback we got was it was great to be involved in something productive. Um, yeah, there was a few technology glitches along the way, but everyone was prepared to give it a go. And so I'm really seeing people step up left, right, and center, take responsibility for things, try things, and give it a go. So it's, it's a great opportunity for that. What about you, Katie? What have you seen? So, yeah, so in terms of stepping up, absolutely. I think the other side of it is um, a condition that we often see in the workplace around leadership is what we call levelling down. And that is where everybody works at a level below the level that they should be at. And that can be a combination of, I don't trust the people below me who to do the work, so I'm going to do it for them. Um, the people below me don't have the capability to do the work, so I'm going to do it for them. Or maybe the work down there is the work I know how to do well because that's what got me promoted. I don't actually know what I'm supposed to do at this new level, so I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing because it's what I do well. Um, what we're seeing under this environment is people are being forced to work at their level because senior leaders are, are completely consumed with crisis management, business continuity planning, uh, and the things that are actually keeping the business afloat. So the work that has to get done is being left to the people who are supposed to do it anyway. So the micromanaging um, is being replaced by empowering and enabling. And the analogy that I create to this is it's like in the world wars when the men went to war and the women stayed at home and were forced to step into running the businesses because there was nobody else around to do it. And they found that when they stepped into it, they actually really enjoyed it and they were quite good at it. And so when the wars finished and the men returned home, the women, there was this sort of this bit of um, tension around, well, how do we now reconcile this new way of working? Um, because we quite like being in the workplace and we'd like to stay. 
Um, and so I think we'll see some of that as we start to come out of this um, restrictions and working from home and everything's returning to a new normal. We might see a little bit of attention around, well, actually, I kind of like working like this and, and I want to figure out how we can resolve some of those tensions to maintain some of these new practices and new ways of working. I'm hearing a lot of stuff around this at the moment with organisations where in the past, leaders have, had, had retained the reins so tightly, it was almost micromanagement. So the build on what Katie's saying, this sort of levelling down sort of stuff. Now where they've let the rope out because they've had to, they're actually seeing a, a real shift in, in the quality of work that's being done. And, um, and it's really changing the nature of, of, the, of the relationship between you know, the supervisor and the worker or the leader and the, and, and the direct report and so on. So um, it's also a, an amazing opportunity for people in organisations who have become frustrated by the hierarchy. I really would like to have a try at that, but I just can't because it's not at my level or my boss has been doing it for a long period of time where there's so-and-so. People are just now picking up the ball and having a go. And so this is a great opportunity for, if, you, if you've got some enthusiasm, some motivation to give something a try, there's the opportunity to do it. And this is this could see some real interesting realignment of people in organization. This is an opportunity to break through the hierarchy and certainly break through some of the politics that exist in certain organizations. Fantastic. We're seeing a lot of stories in the media recently about how self-isolation is helping creativity to flourish. Are you seeing this creativity? Yeah. And are we doing enough to nurture and harness this unexpected benefit? Yeah, so uh, the way I think of this one, um, Velvet Bell, and uh, for me it's not so much around examples of people sitting at home idle and coming up with groundbreaking ideas, you know, the Eureka, I found it kind of stuff. Um, the way I think of this one and the experience that I'm having both personally in my um, work and that I'm seeing from my clients is the notion that necessity is the mother of invention. And really what we're seeing is people being forced to figure out how to keep working when we're not together. And the technology has existed for such a long time with uh, Zoom meetings and Microsoft Teams and, you know, other really great like house party as a platform to catch up with your friends on the weekend when you can't actually be together. That technology is not new, but the, what is new is the conditions that we find ourselves in and really having to figure out how to use it. Um, so I'm seeing lots of quite exciting and fun creativity and how we can keep getting our work done, how we can keep achieving our goals, how we can keep hitting our milestones. Um, one of the projects I'm working on at the moment is an IT services transition project um, with really aggressive milestones and most of that work assumed we had to be face to face to get it done. Um, now obviously the project, the company doesn't want the project to stop. So they've just had to go to their service providers and their vendors and their technology partners and their own people and say, how can we keep this project going when we're not together? And the creativity that people have been able to um, tap into to find solutions um, has been really exciting. It's been, so, and that's the kind of stuff that I think the different ways to solve problems because of the, the situation we find ourselves in and how can we keep that going when we return back to to normal work? What will be the long-lasting benefits? Um, what about for you, Matt? I think, I think it's a really important point because, I mean, often we think about creativity as coming up with something earth-shattering and brand you know, and new and never been seen before. And, and really, most, most creativity comes in, in stages of incrementation and so, sorry, incrementally. And so what, what we've got is this, is I mean, really engaging your people is giving them a challenge every single day to creatively solve something. 
Uh, and, and so, um, to give an example, so, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were scheduled uh, in the diary, certainly before this started, to be running a, a couple of day, two day offsite strategy session for uh, an organization. So we had the board coming together, the executive team coming together, uh, and, and it was the time for them to start planning um, the beginning of their strategies for the next couple of years. Obviously, we couldn't do that, and so we sat around thinking about what do we do, um, engaged with the board over a number of conversations, and so we decided to break that down into six little two-hour sessions. And so, look, it's hardly earth-shattering, but in each of those sessions, we're able to creatively move the conversation forward using different tools and techniques, um, and each day, in each session that we have, someone in the team is responsible for tackling various components of how do we creatively solve some of the problems you would. If you were in a room together for two days, you would have one approach, but because we can't do that, how are we doing it differently? So it's really giving people an opportunity to own something, incrementally add some creativity, and, and get a sense that their effort makes a difference, which is hugely important at this time. And finally, Matt and Katie, I won't ask you to predict when social restrictions will ease, but will it become harder to engage your people the longer social distancing is in place? And how can employers and team leaders maintain that strong connection? Um, for me, uh, Velvet Bell, if anything, I actually think we're seeing the opposite. And, uh, and I've just been so impressed and delighted and touched by the the overwhelming global sense of genuine human care, compassion and connection. And you see this now when people ask each other, when they, when they talk to each other or they see each other on the screen and they say, how are you? They, they genuinely mean it as a question and they want to know the answer. You know, how are you? It's moved from being a, oh, hi, how are you? As a rhetorical question, let's move on to a genuine interest in, in hearing the answer. And it feels like as we've slowed down a little bit, because there's definitely been a slowing down because we're not all racing around at, at 100 miles an hour, um, we've created some space to pay more attention to each other. And the health and economic crises across the world is creating this sense of urgency that we're vulnerable as a species and we actually need to look after each other to survive. And there's this wonderful sense of being in it together. My great hope is that as these restrictions ease and we start to recreate our ways of working, that we're able to maintain this more caring and compassionate focus on each other as people. I think it's a really important point. I mean, I'm beginning to hear conversations now with organisations where they're talking about, you know, returning to work. And it's kind of, you know, I say this somewhat tongue in cheek. It's almost like, what do you think we've been doing for the last little while? Um, I think that we have to be really careful that we don't, it's, it's almost like we can't put this all back in the box and pretend it never happened. There have been some incredible learnings and, and, and steps mm. that we've taken forward as a group of people. And we need to absolutely um, capitalize on that and, and maintain them. So the stuff that Katie's talking about, genuine connection with people uh, and taking time to, to care about the people that uh, we interact with on a daily basis. I don't, I don't want that ever to change. I would like that to continue and improve because go back to this thing around that every single day your people arrive physically or metaphorically to come to work. And one of the things that they want to know is that does my effort make a difference here? And so the organizations that have genuinely reached out to people and have genuinely sent a message of care and compassion, we're, we're with you through this period of time. They will reap the rewards. So every organization asks people to give extra, whether it's late nights or weekends, and people remember that. Right now, they're remembering how those organizations are treating them. And those organizations that are 
looking after their people and are doing things to send a genuine level of a, a message of genuine connection with those with those individuals will reap those rewards. It's almost like the the um, emotional bank account, and I you know, I hope it I hope it continues. Fantastic! Thanks for joining me, Matt and Katie. You can find further information on how COVID-19 might affect your business and assistance is available to you on the Grant Thornton COVID-19 hub at www.grantthornton.com.au forward slash COVID-19. My name's Velvet Bell Templeman and you're listening to Boardroom Media.